Father Harrison, I have to uh, admit something. Uh oh. To myself, to you, to the world. Okay. It's something I've already admitted on Twitter, but I need to say it out loud. I'm better? No, no, oh. never that. Canada's better than the US. No, no. <laughs> I'll give you one more try, though. Do you have any more guesses? Um, yes, the French are better than the Italians. Wow! No! <laughs> Hashtag how no. to troll Father Anthony. Yeah, well, I made that real easy. I walked right into that. Okay, no, the thing I have to admit is that uh, podcasting is one of my hobbies. Huh. Right? Nice. Yeah. So we do this, and this feels like more like ministry. Yep. And definitely more uh, like work in ministry. But also, you know, I was I recorded um, an episode for uh, Caitlin at Tea with Token. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I help out with uh, Taylor Schroll's podcast. Hmm. And then I've been on, um, what's the other one? Roman Circus. And yeah. I enjoyed that. We've been, then, on, uh, we've been on Catching Foxes together. We've been on Catching Foxes together, right? And then uh, I just like literally just for fun. And it's the thing that is so much fun is doing the Spicy Nugs podcast. Right. Like we we do this whole podcast once a month just for fun. And like this is one of my hobbies, and I have hmm. to accept my total like average middle age white millennial hobby of podcasting. There you go. It's a good yeah. hobby to have, and you enjoy. I mean, it. I guess there's worse. I do enjoy it. So, because like you edit spicy nugs, right? I do. I do edit it, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I really, I really don't know how producer Nick can do such a good job on this podcast in such a short amount of time. He's because, clearly like, the it's, better editor. Oh, it, no doubt the better editor. Like it takes me like an hour to like edit like fifteen minutes of sound now, right. and for him it's just like he just knocks it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's wow. it blows my mind. Nice. Yeah, and then um, so why would you call it a hobby? Like you just like it's something you look forward to doing. You, yeah. you like going on other podcasts. Is this your way of saying to other podcasts, "Please have me on"? No, because that sounds really self indulgent. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and the um, the uh, Alberone. Who's that um, priest? Who's a is he a saint now? Is he blessed? Who does media stuff? Alberone, yeah. Alberone, yeah, yeah. Alberone. I said uh, Alberone or Alberion. Alberi- Alberi- I forget his Alberi- last name. Alberion, Alberone. Alberone. Anyway, the, the, all the, the sisters se- who listen to the podcast, I know all they're are so kill mad. Us right now, so they are yelling at the at the speakers <laughs> as we speak. So, uh, Father Alberone, Father Baloney. So the seminarians at theological <laughs> college. <laughs> have their own they started doing a, a seminary podcast to do during the year yeah uh, which i think is a, is a fascinating idea mm-hmm. and so i'm going to record with them next year sometime and yeah it's just kind of fun cool. and it's just so this is just a thing and yeah. it's it's i just had to admit it say it out loud but it will not just be a hobby but it will be in a way a profession when at the next seek clerically speaking is there Right. If we're not, if we're not, no, no, here's what I want to happen. Here's what I really want to happen. I want Seek to be super excited to invite the newest, hottest Catholic podcast to Seek. I want mm-hmm. them to send us letters, emails. I want them to call us. Mm-hmm. And then I want to whisper, no, we're <laughs> never going to come to Seek. And then laugh maniacally. Ha 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 ha. And then me, the Canadian, the uh, the mediator, <laughs> will come in and say, oh, maybe we will come. Yeah, we probably would if they first. <laughs> uh, oh, but man. we're not talking about other podcasts today. We're talking about this one. 
It is Clerically Speaking. Welcome. I'm Father Anthony Sharapa. And I am Father Harrison. And I don't even know what's... I mean, it's my day of rest today. I had a... I don't know. I had a... I, I kind of tweeted about it yesterday. I had a good pastoral day yesterday. It was kind of neat. You know, I had confessions and people actually showed up on Sunday morning, which is kind of rare. So, actually, yeah. I had three, three confessions at a smaller parish. So you're not going to get a ton, but I had three mm-hmm. yesterday, so it made me happy. And then Mass. And then Quick Lunch. Then I had to do spiritual direction for someone. And then we had a uh, visitation ministry training session for people who do bring community to the homebound for us. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then I did two sick calls and they were both profound in different ways. One of them is a very old parishioner uh, homebound and just the poor lady suffering so much. If mm-hmm. everyone could pray for Anita, that would be great. It's just... Uh, she's ready to go to the Lord, but she's suffering pretty badly. So, you know, go anoint her, bring her communion. And then I went to see another parishioner, Judith, who had a sudden episode of something that almost killed her. Oh, wow. And I saw her during the week, and I came back on Sunday to the hospital to bring her communion. And it's just amazing, like, how this has all been a real conversion moment for her. Mm-hmm. Like, she sees it all so clearly now that Jesus is her everything. And it's all she wow. wants to talk about. She just wants to talk about Jesus, <laughs> which a, is great. Awesome. I, yeah. I guess for me, I was like, I walked away. I'm like, man, we just don't talk about Jesus enough. Like, we don't just talk about our friendship with him, that he's everything to us. And right. he is our life and our joy. And I just was, it was a beautiful encounter. So, um, and then I got home. Oh, oh. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to order a pizza. It's been, it's been a busier day than usual for a Sunday. I'll stop by the local pizza place and get a pizza. So I stop in, and the owner's there. He sees the caller. Oh, mm-hmm. so what denomination are you? I said Catholic. He goes, oh, well, I went to a Catholic school. Not Catholic, though. Uh, right. And we just had a conversation for about 15, 20 minutes about Jesus and faith. And he had some interesting ideas about, you know, those uh, tropes around um, how Christianity was invented by the Roman Empire, essentially. Like, like, like the, sorry, Roman Catholicism was invented uh, by the— yeah, yeah. He, he, like Constantine he, he, and blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He, he was kind of Pentecostal in many ways. Ah. I was like, okay. So I actually, I guess I gently corrected him. He goes, oh, you know, no, they never read the Old Testament. I said, that's not true. I said, <laughs> I said that's, they, they didn't call it the Old Testament. Like, well, no, we call it the Old Testament. And kind of explained to him how the scriptures came together. And he, he kind of went off about a bit about how we have all these amazing, we spend all this money on beautiful churches. And I just threw out the scripture quote about the woman pouring out all the oil on Jesus's feet. And he actually said, I never thought of it that way before. You're right. I will not hold that against Catholics anymore. Oh, wow. Look at you. So, so that was kind of cool. That's great. It's so kind of, that, like people are receptive. Because a lot of yeah. times they're not. They just want to yell at you. Do I, like, he was actually, actually have a yeah. yeah, it was a conversation, right? It, it was super nice. And, and mm-hmm. we had a nice chat and everything. And uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully I'll run into him again. And it's just it kind of made me realize, too, that for a priest, actually evangelization is actually really not that hard. Just walk around in your collar and stuff will happen. It's very true. And then I came home, I ate the pizza, and I watched Ghostbusters. <laughs> it was on Netflix, so I'm like, I haven't seen it. The the original, the sequel. The original. Come on, Father Anthony. Why would you even ask me that question? Well, I mean, I just to get you fired I'm a, up. I'm a, I'm a man of taste. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> uh, you know, it's great, though, because like, sometimes you just have those days where you just yeah. have a day full of priest stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's just awesome. wonderful. Because you don't always get those days. Yeah. There's like this... um. 
uh, joke Mitch Hedberg would uh, tell about how, like, once people find out you're a comedian, they want to know, like, can you write? Can you do this? Can you do that? And he's like, it's kind of like telling a chef, like, oh, you're a good chef. Can you farm? And it's almost like same thing with priests. Oh, you're a priest. Can you do, like, all this paperwork? All these, like, things that surround priestly stuff but aren't priestly stuff. So it's really good to actually have a day where you get to do priest exactly. stuff. This is and what it, we really, it, you know, enjoy. And it's what we're created. It's what we're built for. It's what we're ordained yeah. for and everything. It's just awesome, and it feels good, and God is good. God is good. And something, somebody else who did priestly stuff was Thomas Aquinas, because <laughs> he was a priest. And now it's time for the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. I'll give you a C <laughs> yeah. on that one. It was barely passable. Uh, I thought you were going to go into something around how Thomas talked about the good, right? I, the ultimate good. One of the five proofs that exists is a god, right? Yeah, I panicked. And I just like abandoned ship and it's went to good. like the quickest. <laughs> I was like, ah. It's all good. Uh, okay. So uh, the Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas's summary of theology. And the Summa Tweetologica is our summary our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. First up is a tweet from Shannon Last, at Shannon underscore Last, and the tweet says, hashtag Catholic Twitter and priests especially. That's us, Father Harrison, we're priests. Uh, interested on your thoughts on this. It's a picture of a sign that says, um, a sign that's put up on a door, due to our Lord being left unattended earlier today without notice, and additional no-shows to cover assigned adoration times, Tuesday's exposition of the Blessed Sacrament will be suspended until further notice. Mm -hmm. Which um, I think, I didn't, you know, there's a lot of thoughts on this. I think it's totally fine to do. Like, a lot of times, so here at uh, my parishes, we have a perpetual adoration chapel at my last assignment. There is a perpetual adoration chapel, and it's a great and beautiful gift to be able to do adoration. Mm -hmm. It really is. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people can kind of get used to that and not realize that this is a thing that we have to sacrifice for, and it becomes right. kind of convenience. And this overall attitude that the parish is just there to serve the people, and the people never have to do anything. This is an attitude that I think infects a lot of parishes. Like, no, we can't do stuff unless you guys are helping us do the stuff, right? Right. So kind of doing a momentary like hold, like what's going on. And um, I think it's a good thing to kind of let people know like, hey, 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 if you don't show up for this, we can't have it. We can't do it because you right. can't just like leave our Lord unattended like that. Um, right. Yeah, it's, it's true. I think it's, you know, but at the same time, maybe instead of just canceling, like maybe there's thing. this is where it comes from the priest side, right? Sure how well has this been organized in the past so that it's been left unattended, right? Like when we do yeah. adoration in my parish, I make sure there's two people on for every hour whenever we have it. Mm -hmm. And then there's also spares that people can phone if they're not going to be able to make it. So you have those guaranteed people who are there. Mm -hmm. And then there is the end. Also that 
I mean, you can even build a tabernacle in such a way that it can be closed if it's an adoration chapel. So right. if you have to leave, you just close it, right? Yeah. So I just think there's also, on the priest side, maybe there's ways to address it. But I agree, like, there's, you know, we we have to, I don't know. It's it's These are always complicated, and pastoral decisions mm-hmm. will always um, come up against what some of us want. Because, you know, I know for Shannon, like, that is a great comfort for her those Tuesday nights uh, oh, going to the, yeah. going into the chapel so hopefully it gets resolved um, but I just think you know we got to make sure we organize those things properly so you know people like sign up for an hour of adoration like if you want adoration in your parish if you go to your priest say listen I'm willing to give this hour once a week for adoration mm-hmm. priests will probably say yes oh absolutely because most priests want adoration so just offer right. your offer an hour a week and it'll happen and it's so funny. I've been, I actually, I've been doing this more and more as a penance. Yeah. I've been telling people to do a schedule time this week where you can spend a half hour at the Adoration Chapel. Because right. a lot of people are like, oh, I've always driven by it and I've thought about it and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Or people who, who don't even pray that much. Yeah. If they go to the chapel, like for the first time, like, oh, Father, that was so peaceful. And I felt mm-hmm. so like moved. Like, yeah, because it's Jesus is there. He's exactly. there all the time. And you can just like go there all the time. Yeah. Uh, so doing that more and more, I think, is a, a good thing. Exactly. Spend time with Jesus, folks. Amen. All right. That's the position of clerically speaking. That's exactly. Spend more time with Jesus. Uh, we will go with... I have different ones. I have just so many different ones. Oh, okay. This is an interesting one. Uh, it's from at Daniel underscore Behrman. But he's replying to uh, at Pippany about asking about how do, how do you teach your children... When did you teach your children how to pray? And he just had this really, I thought, simple, beautiful answer. I think also important. It's I think also important to remember that it's a lifetime process. I'm still learning how to pray. Hildy is ten months and has learned to hold, fold her hands when we pray at meals or the rosary. She knows we make some sort of sign over our chests before and after. Starts there, I guess. And I just what I loved about that was the absolute simplicity of of that answer. First, yeah. Um, first the answer towards like just i am still learning like this is not something that is mastered right away (laughs) and that it's just that these children i think they learn just by imitating right this is a big thing for kids they learn and so they see mom and dad make a sign of the cross they make some haphazard (laughs) sign of the cross you know it's like a It's it's an up right shoulder hands together or whatever I don't know mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they do it and they may not even be praying but they're learning that these gestures are important right away and that is good enough right there and I think that if 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 children from that youngest age when they see their parents pray it molds them very early on to want to be like that yeah yeah I think yeah if it's important in the family the kids will begin to pick up on it exactly and I also really liked um just that statement that like we're all still learning how exactly. to pray amen yeah. uh, the, like the humility of that is like is absolutely true and um, I think the kids pick up on that too right mm-hmm. absolutely uh and you have like especially where families where this is important you have like little kids even learning like their um uh Ave Maria like in Latin yeah. and all this it's just, it's, and it maybe it's just like something to do for them maybe it's just a trick for now but these are things that over time uh, they can go back to uh, as just like that's how you learn how to pray you begin by imitation not exactly knowing what you're doing but yeah yeah so yeah. that was great I thought it was a great answer it was, it was a great great answer okay so this one is from Joe Cop at J.H. Cop, and I wanted to get to this one before you did okay because we need to settle things in house before we let a Canadian comment on this so I'm going to comment Uh-oh. first on this okay okay 
So he says, uh, there's a couple tweets. So I'm going to read them. The priest at mass today called the Decla- Declaration of Independence a sacred document multiple times during the homily. And then let us, Father sorry. Harrison, I'm you sorry. settle down. I'm sorry. 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 Okay. I'm chill. Multiple times during the homily and then let us in the Pledge of Allegiance. It's July 7th. He also started a round of applause for America after the dismissal. Uh, with me standing directly in front of him, not clapping, said, if you, clamp, if you can't clap for that, I don't know what you can clap for. Okay. So, let me begin by saying, it seems to be very kind of hip and cool in my generation to either, like, bash America right. all the time or to absolutely praise it for everything and never anything is wrong. Okay, so I hold right. neither of those stances. Yeah. Uh, America is my home. I think it's good for a person to have love for their home and mm-hmm. to realize that it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. But also my home is not just the government or things that have happened in the past. It's the people who are around me. It's the people I visited in different um, cities and towns. And I think there's a lot to love about uh, this country. That being said, uh, it is not perfect. And it and there are a lot of terrible things that have happened in our history. And you have to right. admit all those things, not whitewash those things, okay? Right. So that's where I'm coming from. But the idea of calling the Declaration of Independence a sacred document right. is fascinating. Uh, you know, and by fascinating, we mean heresy of Americanism. Yeah. I mean, that's what this really is, right? So uh, mass is for the worship of God. Mm-hmm. It's for the worship of God. It's for the worship of 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 God. Wait, what's it the worship of? We worship God, what? right? God, huh. Yes. And he, like, uh, so, um, a sacred document. Let's not throw around words like sacred. You might say very good document. Okay, mm-hmm. fine, good. Like you, you can say the Constitution. That's a that's a fine way to set up a government. I'm I'm right there with you. But once you start throwing around the word like sacred, also you need to really understand where many of our founding fathers were coming from. Mm-hmm. They were coming from like the afterglow in, in the sense of Christianity, uh, not from Catholicism. While there's a lot of good things kind of in some of those principles, we need to be very honest about the fact that they were not Catholic principles. And even though when our country at its best can be a place where Catholicism can be lived out in a free and good way, I, you can't say that this is like the perfect or God-given or God-instituted country because that that's when you start going off into heretical land, okay? Right. And then uh, doing the – what's the deal with like the, the Pledge of Allegiance during the homily? Is is weird. It's a weird well, thing to do. Like what? Because what, what usually comes after the homily on a Sunday? Uh, oh, what usually comes after the homily on a Sunday is the procession, uh, profession of faith. Yeah. So it's so, like it's ooh, like what a, is that saying? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's saying kind of like, wait, we're going to give a different profession today, and it's mm-hmm. that's kind of scary. And then finally, the round of applause for America. First of all, I'm very anti any kind of applause because yeah. like even like so the liturgy can't happen well without a lot of people being involved servers and musicians who put in a lot of work and that's all good but how dare you steal their heavenly reward by clapping for them at mass right and also remember like we're all doing this out of love for god exactly so i'm very anti putting emphasis on the priests putting emphasis on anyone else other than god especially because right now in our country mass is such is seen as such a subjective experience and what I get out of it and if it's good for me and not worship of God. So 
I think mm -hmm. that said everything I want to say. Other than the fact that um, it's July 7th and there's a gospel. Why don't you preach about the gospel? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now that I've spoken to the American people, Father Harrison, you may speak if you desire to. Just just become Canadian. You'll never hear anything about patriotism ever in the, in the Canadian homily, ever. <laughs> ever. Because there's nothing to be patriotic about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I think, actually, honestly, I think you covered most of what I want to say. Good. So I just I knew just that if say, you said it first, people would not listen. <laughs> that's probably true. I just, I guess I... Well, okay, I will throw in this one little thing. Uh, yeah. Because first, I was overwhelmed with red, white, and blue on Thursday. <laughs> I'm calling it Thursday, by the Good. way. I'm calling it Thursday. <laughs> oh, just, uh, it's just Thursday for you. Just Thursday. Uh, but <laughs> so I was a little overwhelmed by, by all that. And it was very interesting, though, to see. Because I, I have some friends who have been to like different protestant churches for example mm -hmm. where they have essentially july 4th services where they're oh yeah like there's mass like it's essentially i hate to say this this is not a christian liturgy this is a national liturgy with tinges of christian imagery and messaging in it yeah and i think that is uh heretical <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's just, it's it's not okay. It's, it's is it is it a huge shock? Our Protestant friends are doing something heretical, Father Harrison. No, is it a huge? I, guess, I mean, because really, that is a part of 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 a lot of strange uh, Protestantism in have, America. Yes. Well, this is, this is true. Yeah. This is why I have a, a theory mm -hmm. that evangelical Protestantism Protestantism is a uniquely American thing. Yeah, and by that I mean it's actually a religion of America and not Christianity. That'd be a fun thing to get into more later. Now I'm not trying to say that they're not Christians who are evangelical. No. I'm saying it. I think I think there is a root of 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 nationalism mm -hmm. that is at the heart of it, rather than Christianity first. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a problem. Like you see this a lot in a lot of political debates right now around around the religious right and stuff like that. And I think there's a reason the religious right has such a prominent political voice in America. I think that's because unfortunately they're actually in bed together. Mm -hmm. So I find that kind of disturbing. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So have we made it, uh, enough people angry with Probably. discussing that oh, tweet? I'm sure I'm good. we're going to get emails. Because we're going to make more people angry later, but I think that's good enough yeah. for that one. <laughs> All right, let's go something lighter. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> from at John B. Christ. I want to be more like Jesus in every way, but eating fish for breakfast is where I draw the line. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good point, this whole imitation. You know what's funny? Because I'm shocked that that's not actually some part of the Catholic tradition of eating yeah. fish for breakfast. Like we do like way crazier stuff. Like we have people practicing celibacy in imitation of our Lord, but it seems like we also draw the line at eating fish uh, for breakfast. Yeah, I kind of would draw the line on that one too. That's just weird yep. to me. I don't know, fish for breakfast just seems absurd. And I'm like a big dinner for breakfast guy. 
Right. Like I'll I'll have like leftover a leftover hamburger or or like chicken or whatever else. I'll eat that for breakfast, no problem. Right. But uh, one leftover fish is no good. No, it's just like, in general. Yeah, I mm, no. Mm, and no. the idea of cooking up some fresh fish for breakfast is uh, a little much. Yeah, I agree. So I was just like, this is a hilarious tweet that also. Mm-mm speaks the truth however it's probably you know ancient near east cultures this was probably normative and i think it's even normative for like asian cultures and stuff that fish is a part of your your morning yeah, yeah. ritual maybe, maybe i don't know i'm i'm just guessing but i thought it was funny yeah i thought it was good tweet yeah all right it's time for patreon pontifications patreon pontifications you support us we read your tweets. Please consider donating to our Patreon. Money goes to paying for equipment and podcast hosting fees, as well as paying producer Nick a just wage for all the work he does. Any money collected goes that goes beyond that will be donated to the missionaries of charity. Go to patreon.com slash clerically speaking to have a chance at your chosen tweet talked about on the podcast. This week's tweet comes from at Michael Korokoro. Yeah, at Michael Corcoro, and he chose a tweet from, this is, follow me on this, from John DeGuzman, at John DeGuzzi, mm-hmm. and his tweet is a reference to an article, and this all boils down to hashtag bravery views. Have you seen this on Twitter? I have. So the dang seminarians thing. are taking over Twitter. They are. They are. Okay, this is Someone the height put them in their place. of mm-hmm. laicism, folks. This is stolen valor right here yeah. is what it is. Remember, seminarians, <laughs> you are half clerics. <laughs> uh, hang in there, guys. Okay, so we, love we you need guys. your help. We Please love you. Help. We love you. You're good. <laughs> you get stuff there's, out there. <laughs> there's so much work to do. Please stay with it. Okay, uh, so basically, I'm just going to talk about this. I mm-hmm. What's been going on in general. If you're not on social media, if you're not on Twitter, Basically, people have been doing these hashtag breviary views, and the breviary uh, is the book for of the Liturgy of the Hours. It's a very old tradition in the church. It even mm-hmm. goes back to um, our Jewish roots, mm-hmm. where we pray uh, throughout the day with the Psalms, mostly. So right now, as it stands, you've got the Office of Readings, which is usually either a middle-of-the-night prayer or a very early morning prayer. That being said, you can pray it whenever. You've got morning prayer, uh, daytime prayer, evening prayer mm-hmm. and finally night prayer okay mm-hmm. and a lot of people pray like morning and night prayer or maybe just night prayer or whatever because the, the laity while they're encouraged to pray the liturgy hours they don't have to father harrison and i we are obliged to most religious Under orders are obliged mortal to sin right well that's a discussion for later too is it is it it used to be in the old code code is it in the new code i I've just heard, always I've presumed because you've made a you've made a promise to god and you're breaking your promise to god i, I mean don't get like me a, wrong that i'm not like testing sin. it I'm not testing it. I just don't know exactly about the theology. <laughs> I'm not, so I don't even care about the, the rules because I'm just going to do it the whole time. There That's where I'm coming Sounds from. Good. Okay, good. Uh, but one of the, like, the lady really are encouraged to pray it because it's the prayer of the church. Yeah. Uh, in very much the same way that the mass is the prayer of the church, this is the prayer of the church. So basically what people have been doing, have been taking little pictures of their breviary and wherever they're praying it. And so I think, you know, speaking of Shannon last, she had a picture like her kids are just like causing havoc in the background. And she's mm-hmm. got her breviary. Other people like were at a chapel mm-hmm. or just outside or in their cars. And it's kind of really promoted the breviary. And I've, I've even seen like people buying breveries. When people other are people sponsoring breveries for other people. Yeah. Because a I'm set really of the good. actual books, the four volume set is kind of expensive. It's like a yeah. hundred bucks or something. Right. Yeah. Um, or even like little versions. 
I've seen on Twitter a, a version of the uh, breviary, the little office that's kind of like a Marian themed uh, baby liturgy yeah. of the hours. The, a lot the of people do. Little office of the Virgin Mary. There we go. Yeah. And it's really great. And it's really taken off. And so apparently this all started by a seminarian from the great theological college in Washington, D.C., just sending out a tweet with a brief reviews, th- a brief yeah. reviews thing. And so great. I, I, mean, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful that people are doing it. And it's really nice to see other people praying for Liturgy and of the Hours. Just to kind of connect this a little bit with last week's podcast, I think yeah. that this has all happened because of Vatican II. Oh, absolutely. This is a huge Vatican II thing. This is a huge Vatican II thing. People praying the liturgy? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's it's really awesome. And, and the liturgy, you know, often we don't know what to say. But you see, this is what all liturgy, by the way, folks, the reason it's liturgy, it's it's the work of the church, yes, but it's, using, it's always using God's words to respond to God. Mm. Because what is the best way of praising God? By using his most perfect words, which is in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Right, so this, so that's why the breviary is a liturgy of the hours, right? It's saying at each hours of the day, I want to give praise to God, and the best way to do that is by using His words, and so it marks the day with the Psalms and stuff like that, and it's really beautiful. And so, uh, the more the church is doing that, the better. And I think it's you know adoration, as we've talked about uh, the liturgy hours. These are things that have really taken off that I don't think uh, would have without the council. Mm-hmm. And yeah, awesome. I think. It- it's also like I, it's impressive how many lay people are talking about how much they love the breviary. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes I think for me, and I'll speak for myself, because it's an obligation. Sometimes it feels very much like an obligation. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it feels like very much I'm dragging my eyes across the breviary. Other times it really is. It's it's enlivening and uh, mm-hmm. something will part of the scripture psalm will just like strike me and i'll just stay with it and pray with it Mm -hmm. other times it's like oh if i don't pray daytime prayer right now in between this meeting and that meeting there's no chance i'll get the chance to do it so Mm -hmm. you just like run through it really quick Mm -hmm. but it's it's just encouraging to see how many people like really love it and i think that's a good thing Mm -hmm. so yeah thanks uh john for doing that uh keep up the whole seminarian thing it'd be really cool to be a brother priest with you uh, god willing someday and thanks to michael at michael korokoro for uh, sponsoring and helping us out on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're gonna, this is going to be an especially tweet-heavy episode. Yeah. So I want to talk about uh, a tweet right now in Presbyteral Exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yeah. Yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, quite. Yes, quite. Okay, I think I need to do a lot of prefacing. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot, of, not talked a lot, but we have mentioned before how Father Harris and I are not, are very... Uh, charitably put, uh, doubtful at the fruitfulness of certain online personalities and websites in the Catholic world. Right. Uh, you know, we've mentioned before that we're not huge fans of Dr. Taylor Marshall or Church Militant. Not saying that everything they write or say is wrong mm-hmm. or that they do no good at all, but the overall emphasis of their projects, we believe are not healthy for the church. Right. We've gotten messages from some, like a lot of people listen to them and listen to us, which I find fascinating. Yeah, I find that, I find that really right? interesting too, yeah. But the, hey, good, whatever, that's fine. And some people have said, hey, thanks for what you say. You know, I have a story of how 
you know, listening to these sort of things was making me really bitter and and mm -hmm. leading me into despair as a Catholic. We've also got messages about the good they've done and like, oh, now I pray the rosary because of what Dr. Taylor Marshall says. So, so just to put all that out there, all right? Mm -hmm. Also, like on this podcast, we, we talk about uh, tweets because they are good sources for conversation and mm -hmm. it's a discussion of ideas. Yeah. Sometimes, maybe we even fall into this error when we're talking about tweets, it feels like an attack on the person. And that's not what we intend to do. Right. And if we've done that before, we're sorry, we're really more talking about ideas right. and the things that represent, okay? Yep. So that's the huge big preface to talk about um, a tweet that has been rattling around in my brain, actually a few tweets from uh, Father John Hollowell. He's on Twitter, at Father John Hollowell. And he really uses his Twitter account for evangelical purposes. He'll mm -hmm. post um, his homilies. Uh, he'll post his own quotes and stuff from his homilies and things like that. He really uses it explicitly as an evangelical thing, which I think is great. Some priests on Twitter do that. Some, I think like Father Harrison and I also use it for just kind of regular old social media. Mm -hmm. uh, but his is more focused. Mm -hmm. And he posted a few, a few tweets. And so I'm just going to read them. Uh, okay. the, first, the first part of this is a quote from Dr. Taylor Marshall. And the quote is, The cassock screams, I am a priest. As an adult man, when I'm with a priest and he's dressed like a priest, it is such a relief to me. I am all about having a beer with a priest, but there should never be a chumminess between a layperson and a priest. And now this is Father John's commentary on that. This quote is so true and important. The cassock is a great sign way beyond black pants and a clerical shirt. I switched to all cassock all the time about five years ago. I know without a doubt that the cassock preaches a needed message to our culture. I would personally love to go to the grocery store without notice in my jeans and t-shirt, but I didn't get ordained to do what I want. Any priest who is seeking to be friends with a parishioner needs diocesan intervention. One, it divides parishes. Father is friends with that family, but not ours. Two, there is a power dynamic at play that can never allow for authentic friendship. So there's just so much with this tweet that I just mm -hmm. wanted to discuss it. Okay. And I didn't comment it on, more and more I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to learn and accept more and more of the limitations of Twitter. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like tweeting about this would be helpful. I want to talk about it on the podcast. I think that form of communication can be a little bit more, hopefully, hopefully a little more nuanced. Two things I think we want, I want to talk about. The cassock and then friendship. I think maybe talk a little bit more about friendship sure. yeah. as a priest, because that's the one that I want to talk more about. First of all, Father Alex Schrank, who is one of the smartest priests on Twitter, maybe like right after Father Harrison, um, brought up... <laughs> He's like, like, like the, the trifecta, I think, is is the great Father Matt Fish, Father Harrison, and then Father Shrank. You should follow all these guys. I really, I mean that. Father Alec is much more intellectually disciplined than I am. <laughs> Trust me. Disciplined is probably the word. <laughs> but he uh, he actually wears a cassock, and he's tweeted very positively about the cassock before. But he uh, makes a few points uh, that in the U.S., it's never really been a tradition. Mm -hmm. He says, um, first, because it's never really been that way in the U.S., the Third Plenary Council of Baltimore in 1884 decreed that clerics were to wear the Roman collar and cassock at home and in church. Off parish property, they should wear the collar with a coat of black or somber color. Mm -hmm. So in America, it really hasn't been so much of a, a tradition in recent. If you um, And he goes on to make further points that, you know, 
these were men and bishops who were not afraid to talk about their Catholic faith in any mm-hmm. sort of way. It just wasn't a part of their tradition. So I think it's important to note that. Mm-hmm. I remember in the seminary being really excited to wear the cassock. Like, I was all about it. And I think we need to be honest, and what it boils down to is that black robes are cool. Yep, absolutely. And I think a lot of people... I mean, who doesn't want to be Neo? Right? <laughs> or even, like, just any kind of, like, black robes are cool. That's why Neo wore them. Exactly. I think so often we 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 bring these you know, theological nuance and sacredness and importance, but really what boils down to is we like cassocks because cassocks are cool. Yeah. And indeed, if you see someone, anyone, wearing black robes, it's going to cause you to pause, right? Yeah. So I don't want to deny the effect that, yes, I think wearing a cassock has a different but similar effect, but certainly different mm-hmm. than wearing just your regular clerical shirt. Right. Um, I think that the regular clerical shirt, I mean, that gets people's attention just fine. Uh, but I don't want to deny the fact that, indeed, I think wearing the cassock is something a little extra, is something different. Okay. Right. Is that, is that yep. fair so far? Yep. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I remember, like, when we were at, when we were in Chicago in May, um, there was pictures of Cardinal Mundelein in a suit jacket, black pants, and a black clerical shirt. Yep. Right? So I think it show. like, I think that's the thing. Like, I've seen other photos of priests in North America and even in Europe from a hundred, you know, close to hundred years ago, mm-hmm. back when things were all trad and yep. they were in clerical shirts. Yeah. So this is my thing. Like I, I'm not against the cassock. I think the cassock's cool and I would actually wear it a little bit more often if it wasn't 500 bucks because <laughs> that's what yeah. my cassock cost me. I want to, I don't want it to wear out. Um, I think we, it, it's just, there is a, it's also... <sighs> My thing is nowadays, at least I don't know, but for me in Canada at least, mm-hmm. only Catholic priests really wear their clerics day to day. Sure. And here's the other thing, by the way, folks. Like this is a really interesting thing I've noticed, especially with people I'd say like twenty and under. Mm-hmm. I've been to restaurants, they'll say, What's that white thing on your neck there? They won't even know. They what don't that even, is. they don't even know what that is anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, there is the witness, absolutely. There's the public witness, et cetera. But I do think like, and I, again, I'm not against the Catholic cassock in public and I, I do wear it. I Although I, I wore it uh, one Sunday because I was leaving to go do my aunt's 50th wedding anniversary and I wore the cassock on the ferry and I got a lot of looks that day. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, because I was like, well, what's this all about? Right. Um, yeah. But in the end, it's about looking like a priest and a priest has, and here's the other thing. Guess what folks? Clerics have not always been the garb of priests. True. Right, the Roman collar actually started off as a Protestant clerical garb, <gasps> and we usurped it. Did you know this? I didn't. I, I've heard this before, but I haven't looked into it myself. I, 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 it's been a while since I read up on this. Um, yeah, but the collar actually—I um, mean, hey, we, we we use it now and everything. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like if even like, and if you go into Eastern Catholic churches. Their idea of like clerical garbs looks a lot different too, and they tend mm-hmm. to have more of the cassock look and everything. It's not a bad thing. It's just to say, right? I don't know. So uh, I just here's yeah. my problem. Here's my problem. Yeah. So um, if you want to wear the cassock and even like advocate for the cassock yeah. because it provides an even more radical witness, I'm totally okay with that. The problem I have is two things: one, making an idol out of external things. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of good and holy priests who have done so much for souls. That just because their tab collar is sticking out doesn't make them less a priest. And we need to be more mature about how we judge priests, especially mm-hmm. online. 
So let's not let's not turn the tradition of the church into something as superficial as that because that's terrible. It really bothers me. Also, admit the fact that maybe we just like cool things. And it's just our opinion that we like cool things, and we don't need to mm. make it this huge, big deal, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I'm not opposed to the idea of the casting at all. I'm actually waiting for mine to come in the mail. I was going to say, did yours arrive yet? <laughs> no, I've been looking. It's been so sad. It's like Christmas might be any day, but every time you check, it's not Christmas. That's right. what it's felt like for the last week. So I actually have to call the guys because like, I keep looking for the mail, and my cassock isn't showing up, and it's very sad. That is very um, sad. Okay. So... I think that's enough for Cassock stuff. Oh, um, I had, sorry, one more quick. I do think, though, I do, my, and it's something I'm probably going to lean more towards. I do like the idea of wearing the Cassock kind of around the parish. Yeah, me too. I, I think that's fair. But, yeah. you know, but like if you're going out, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I, I'm a bit of a balanced thing on that. And, like, for example, we're getting a Cassocks for our altar servers and stuff like that. Like, I, I yeah. love it. And I think there's a beauty to it too, right? So, I don't know. I, I wear yeah. a Cassock, but I, I yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, enough about so, Cassock. Let's talk yeah. about friendship. Okay, yeah, let's get back to that tweet. Okay, this is about... Um, so, first with with the quote. I'm all about having a beer with priests, but there should never be a chumminess between a lay person and a priest. And then Father uh, John's commentary at the bottom. Um, there is a power dynamic at play that can never allow for authentic friendship. And it's... I'm, I'm kind of curious because I think he he perhaps wasn't precise in his words there because in the first tweet he's talking about layperson and priest in the second tweet he's talking about parishioner and priest yeah so and I there think, is a bit of a difference yeah i think but anyways yeah i think there is so i think um reading this in the best light mm-hmm. let's say you have a priest and he's desperate and trying to be best friends with all of his parishioners right that would be unhealthy Right. That would be a bad thing. That would be some uh, case where you definitely need to like pull that priest aside, especially as a brother priest, and be like, what's going on? Like, why are yeah. you looking for this kind of in- intimacy among your parishioners? So, if that's what he's saying, I'm, I'm hope I'm sure that's what he's saying. Like, that's something that you definitely do need to watch out for. This this yearning, this overemphasis, or this yearning for to be best friends with all of your parishioners, uh, or to search for your parishioners for your only source of friendship that would be unhealthy. Right. I think we can agree on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, the but as far as a power dynamic at play that can never allow for authentic friendship, I hope, I hope he doesn't mean that because that's really sad to me. Right. Because I have really good friendships with, with lay people. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this, it can be tricky. So my, my best friends who are lay people, a lot of them were in seminary with me and then they discerned out. Others are people who are really involved in the church. And I think as a priest, you do need to be careful about how you choose your friends and you need to be very discerning in that. Mm-hmm. And it, it, is, it is difficult to be um, genuine friends with some of your parishioners because I think it can be difficult. For example, I could never be the spiritual director for any of my friends. Right, absolutely. I can be a priest for them in certain moments mm-hmm. and I can discuss spiritual things about them and they, but I can never be a spiritual director for them. And it's also can sometimes be tricky as far as like confession things. Yeah. I think a lot of people try to avoid um, having their friends go to them for confession. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, some of my closest friends, when we, when, you know, uh, in seminary, we discussed our struggles and our problems mm-hmm. and they feel comfortable going to me uh, mm-hmm. for confession because it's, it's nothing new, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's these are things that we've shared as close friends before. 
All right. So I think you do need to be kind of careful in that because if you become uh, friends with a priest, which is, I think, a great gift for both the priest and the person to become like really good friends with them, you might lose some of that aspect of um, shepherd in that priest. You have to look to someone else. Yeah. And I think so. This is a question I've often wrestled over a little bit. I mean, I, I've never had a problem with having lay people as friends. Like that's just been normative for me, but partially cause it's like, you just, you kind of, you make friends while you're going before you're in seminary, while you're in seminary, mm-hmm. there are some families I've been incredibly close to, and I still am and who I have the fondness, a great fondness for. And when I'm in Victoria, I see them or I text them all the time and I stay with them and everything like that. So, I mean, like I've never had issues with lay people being friends. I think that's why I asked about that distinction between in the first section, he's talking about chumminess between lay people and priests. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to talk about parishioners and priests. And I'm wondering if he's talking more about the parishioner side where you're the pastor rather than just lay people in general, because mm-hmm. if it's just lay people, then I would have to disagree. Right. Just pure and simple. Mm-hmm. And not just, and for a few reasons, um, when you're friends with lay people, they can give, they can give you first, they'll be more blunt with you than your parishioners are. If there's something wrong or you say something wrong, you've done something wrong <laughs> yeah. and you need that. Absolutely. Secondly, there are, they are regular environments for you to experience life as it really is. Like I have families and I know families where I can go to their house and they don't need to clean or anything like that. They just know I'm going to stop by mm-hmm. and they're fine with that. And I'm fine with that. And I see, I see family life in its, like actualness, I guess, right? And yeah. I think that's important. And thirdly, and I think this is important, um, we are created male and female. And I think mm-hmm. it's actually important for a priest with all the proper boundaries and caveats that go with this to have a few female friends as well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because you need that complementarity and you need to see things, you need people who see things from a vastly different perspective than you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they balance you out and they keep you grounded and they will, um, and I'm very grateful for that, right? And I think you need those things. So that's the first. And the second one though is about the parishioners thing. Can you be friends with, this is a, as a pastor now, this is something I really struggled with. It was interesting. I didn't struggle with it as much as an associate because I'm just like, I'm not the pastor. I just kind of right. do what the You're pastor the tells me, right? <laughs> so you get to yeah. know people, you get friendly with people and everything. But as a pastor now, that was always a concern when I first kind of got to the parish, I'm like, I have to be the same person for everyone. Uh huh. And so I would actually decline invitations from certain families sometimes, not because it was bad or anything. I was just like, I don't want people to be, I don't want people to think that I'm hanging out with these people more than others. Mm-hmm. But I've been here a year and a half now. And I'll be honest, there have been, I've tried very hard with some people to try to get invites to their homes or just to say, let's go grab a coffee or whatever. And nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, right? And my spiritual director said, oh, no, you know, you tried. And if those families and those people want to invite you over the time, go to them because they will support you. And you and people will say that, but too bad because you can say to them, you tried to give them an opportunity to invite you over and they never did. Right. And so it's okay to, you're going to become, you're going to get, you're going to be better. And here's the other thing too, when you're a priest, you want to be all things to all people. Here's like even Jesus, right? Even Jesus had a special relationship with John, the beloved disciple. Yeah. There will always be a closer relationship with certain people in your parish than there are with other people. Mm-hmm. And there will be priests who will come after me who have certain relationships with other parishioners than I than I didn't have, right? And I think that's okay. Yeah. I think that's okay. That's kind of how 
all friendship works, exactly. right? You know, uh, in this life, friendship is always going to include some kind of exclusivity. Yeah. Um, the reason why you have best friends is because not everyone's your best friend. Mm-hmm. Now, in heaven, that's going to change. You'll be able to be, to put it in, in simple terms, best friends with everyone without that exclusivity, which is something that's hard to imagine now because we can't have that now yeah. uh, in this plane of, of uh, existence, right? Right. Uh, a few things that you said. One, female friends uh, for priests. I think I agree. It's incredibly important. And just as a practical aspect, you know, in seminary, you're surrounded by men all the time. Yeah. And I feel like I'm pretty good with ministering to other men because mm-hmm. it's just coming from my experience and it's just easy, right? I remember the first time there was, you know, a woman in my office who just started crying for like no reason. Just, I mean, for me, it was to, it was for no reason, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, like, what do I do? I start like internally, externally, very holy and, and very calm. But in terms of what do I do? How do I fix this? What's going on? Yeah. And it's ministering to women is different because they're different. Yeah. And like the, the perspectives and the things and the stories that my female friends have told me have been invaluable to mm-hmm. my experience as a mm-hmm. priest because you're supposed to be a father mm-hmm. to all. Exactly. You, you have sons and you have daughters, and they're different. Yeah. And any parent will n- tell you that their sons and their daughters are different. Yeah. So getting that perspective has been very helpful. One of the things my female friends really helped me to see is, you know, Harrison, you don't have to fix everything. Sometimes women just want someone to listen to them. Yeah, right. And I was like, <laughs> oh, really? And so it's helped me to remember, especially like if you're in confessions with women, especially or whatever, I don't need to fix all this for them right now. They just want someone who's heard them. Mm-hmm. and acknowledges what they've said and that's all mm-hmm. they want yeah. like, oh well i can do that right but it's just the male brain wants to fix things right away right exactly so. and just like put aside the male female distinction for a moment mm-hmm. like there are guys and there are girls who are just cool people who you want to be friends with exactly. like not not everything about you is your is your yeah. gender either right so exactly. like just being friends with people who are good people mm-hmm. uh like i mean just to state the obvious there um but also priest as father and and this you know priest as father and chumminess you know so like indeed my my dad uh first is my dad and will always be my dad mm-hmm. but there's also elements of friendship to that relationship there are elements of friendship in every family relationship yeah like there's a reason why my dad like calls me up when he's like smoking a really good cigar it's because he wants to just talk with his son but there's a friendship a- aspect of that too which is a good thing yeah and that doesn't that does not change my respect for him right mm-hmm. or when i tease my dad that doesn't change the fact that i respect him a lot right it's the same thing goes for that that uh, spiritual fatherhood as well you can be friends and be friendly and tease and do all the things that normal human beings do when they um, have a genuine friendship and love mm-hmm. for each other without disrespecting that right mm-hmm. absolutely uh, and uh, you know, sometimes in relationships, like in any relationship, that we we cross the line as far as that mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had to have conversations with people. Sometimes, like you know, I am a priest and I'm mm-hmm. a good one, and you need to settle down a little bit. You know, yeah. but that's also something that happens in regular relationships. There has to be correction and discussion about mm-hmm. the relationship, and that's fine. Yeah, and that's normal, and that's human. Yeah, and that's good. Exactly. Right? Because yeah. the good, authentic human parts of us are placed there by God and God delights in them. Exactly. And I will say though too, I, and it's something I kind of miss a little bit because I'm in a smaller diocese with this doesn't really exist. I do think there's actually something, especially around the friendship between priests and religious. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there is something really, it's like religious sisters, I mean. Um, you know, there are sisters who I would call friends and everything, but I don't get to see them often or anything like that, right? Uh, but there really is because there... And it shows 
like this is the other thing i think we've over sexualized friendship because we've over sexualized everything thing yes <laughs> and so it's actually a beautiful thing for people to witness like i mean this is the thing that like, people will will say oh my gosh father was talking to that woman for a long time or whatever what's going on there or something like that right, you get those yeah. things. And i'm like um nothing <laughs> like, yeah it was just an authentic conversation between two people i mean obviously you always want to make sure like you're not if you like for when you're a priest you're never private with a woman where no one can see you or anything like mm -hmm. that right these are always Absolutely. important things to to keep on, on top of but i do think especially between priests and religious because it then shows like these are people who have taken their vows around chastity and celibacy and it shows the world here is an authentic love and friendship that is not sexual that is not um sexualized in the negative sense of the term right right um mm -hmm. and i think that's a beautiful thing for people to witness right when they see a priest and a, and a nun having a good time together walking around having a chat laughing having yeah. a dinner or whatever and it shows them wait and there's and it builds up that complementarity that is so important between male and female and the friendships. So I do think that's something that priests, if if like if you have if there are priests who are listening to this, and you have religious in your diocese, really take advantage of their presence and support them. Because mm -hmm. here's the other thing, they'll cook a lot for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because they have to do it for their communities, yeah. they'll be better at it than you are probably. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think uh, just to kind of wrap things up to talk something uh, about friendship between priests. Yeah. Uh, which is, is incredibly important to the life of the priest. Because mm -hmm. like I said, I, I have very close friends who are lay people, especially the ones I went to seminary with. They, they understand a lot. They get a lot. I feel like I can share uh, pretty much anything with them. But even, even as close as I am to them, mm -hmm. there is a particular connection that only priests can share. Right. And this is, I mean, it's a, it's a thing. Like even like I've been friends with, you know, seminarians and good friends with them, but something is different once you become ordained, once you start living mm -hmm. out that life. Mm -hmm. And a priest needs to be able to truly be himself around other priests. Yeah. And it's, it's such a shame because a lot of times when we're, we're out in the world or even among our parishioners, um, we, we are putting up certain walls and mm -hmm. it's not in it's authenticity. Mm -hmm. It's not. In the same way that like I act differently at mass than I do on Twitter because of course you do. That's not inauthenticity. That's just respecting the different mediums and what's going on, right? Right. And the same thing kind of happens with like when you're out with your parishioners or something else. Like you have to be uh, careful and not in a paranoid way, which can happen, uh, especially in this day and age. Mm -hmm. But you don't know where someone's coming from. You don't know how your sense of humor will react with theirs. So a lot of times just a little bit more reserved. But it's very important, and I think priests can do this most freely with other priests. Right. And we need to make sure that, you know, uh, you can not worry about scandalizing each other. You can be honest. You can be, you know, very, very real in mm -hmm. a way that only other priests can understand. And that's incredibly, incredibly important. Absolutely. And there's nothing more, you know, sad to me than a priest who has no other priest friends. It's, mm -hmm. it's a real, real sadness. And I think, too, um, oh, and I, I want to say, too, like, I think... Also throwing around this, this thought just popped in my mind around yeah. um, the lady and like there is something to the naturalness. For example, if you have a family of a priest coming to your home and they see the priest as he really is outside of the context of church, that's really important for stuff like vocations and everything. Yeah, right? yeah not yeah. just the pastoral visit I'm talking about, but just like the priest because he knows this family well. This shows up. Um, it really 
um, makes uh, a real difference in the lives of the laity because that's the other thing. Christ, it's, it's, if we really believe in, in the sacrament of orders, then you're bringing a sacrament to that home and, and yeah, vice yeah. versa. They're bringing a sacrament to you through their marriage. And those are both really beautiful and great things. And we need to remember that that's just, that's just part of the naturalness of life. Like, yes, the, the priesthood is different than the lay state. And it, mm-hmm. there is a, objectively, there is a higher calling to it, right? To anything that's celibate, mm-hmm. objectively. Um, but Christ is greater than we are, obviously, because he's the son of God. But he condescends, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. He empties himself, and so too the priest empties himself to go to be with his people, to shepherd them, and to just be friends with them. I mean, yeah. this is and this maybe this is the right way to end it. I've I've called you friends, right? I have called you friends. Jesus calls his the Son of God, mm-hmm. the second person of the Blessed Trinity, calls his disciples, the people he's ministering to, to the people he has authority over, friends, and. That ought to be our mode of operating always. Yeah. Always. I mean, I could keep talking about this, but I think that's yeah. good. And we'll give producer Nick a little bit of a break. Sounds good. Like a whole 10 minute break. So thanks to Father John uh, Hollowell yeah. for um, giving us stuff to talk about. He's doing a lot of good things on Twitter and yeah. I appreciate that. And just an opportunity to like, just talk in a more nuanced way that sometimes yeah. Twitter doesn't allow. And maybe that was a little tease there's a good chance that father anthony and i may be talking about this theme of friendship in november at a certain place whoa big tease maybe who knows maybe. it's not it's not, guar- it's not official yet it hasn't been guaranteed but just uh you know keep your ears open hmm. Hmm. all righty hmm. so thanks guys for listening um what do i say at the end of the episode thanks for listening please <laughs> leave a review on itunes <laughs> And tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can find me at Fr Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter, or email us. And I'm starting to get to some of those emails at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Peace. God bless. Ah, <sighs> alrighty. Nice.